Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, good evening, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I'm sorry, I'm full of cold. I think it's been stuck on planes, trains and automobiles uh, with these three guys <laughs> over the last week. Um, we've had a, a great trip to Porto. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, and then we'll talk about that fantastic win against Newcastle in the Premier League on Saturday night. Saturday night under the lights, well fueled by beer and flags and uh, lots and lots of um, huge atmosphere. Dale, um, good to see you back on again. Uh, you're filling uh, the Viking shoes tonight, aren't you? I am indeed, yeah. And I'm speaking about the Viking. I was just uh, looking at the intro to uh, the podcast and I've just seen that Alex, when he's sitting on the steps, he's got hair like Mikel Arteta. It's perfect. It don't move. Next time you see it, have a look. Yeah, will do. Will do. Uh, Dan, how are we doing? You got the cap back on? Didn't have the cap in Porto, did you? I'm not very well, Fergus. I'm I'm not doing too good, mate. I've got a dodgy throat. I've got a dodgy head. I'm tired. And I've not really slept for the last week. But other than that, fantastic, really. I feel like no, I've broken I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, Wednesday morning, we saw a very broken man after Tuesday night in Porto. Uh, Trev, how bad did he look on Wednesday morning when he came down for breakfast? Yeah, it wasn't the most uh, easy of things to look at, Dan, on, on Wednesday morning. But uh, he soon came round in fairness, didn't he? Well, he was, didn't slack at all, so it was all right. But yeah, I think, well, I don't know, I, I thought it was my age. I've, um, Burnley was a massive day on the beer. Then I had one day off and then I'm in Porto with you lot. And then one day off when I get back and I'm back for a late one at the Emirates. I'm, I'm so pleased we've got a week off now. I'm going to regather my energies and uh, get down to Sheffield on a Monday night, and uh, hopefully have a good night. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hoping. I'm hoping so. Look, listen before we go. Before we go much further, there's a couple of things I'd like to say uh, at the very start. First of all, Super Kevin Campbell. Um, people may have heard that um, he hasn't been well. Um, he was uh, quite ill in hospital and so on. Um, we just wanted to wish him uh, a get well. We hear he's on on the mend and he's getting. He's getting back to his normal self. He'll be back on the Highbury squad and all the other stuff he does. Um, Trevor, we sent him a nice message, didn't we? I'm not going to show it because it's a personal message. We sent him a nice message from Porto from all the boys, didn't we? Yeah, we did send him a message. And it, I think we're we're right not to show it, Ferg, because it's a little bit personal when people are in that position. And so many people have, have said to me they've not seen him on the TV recently and wondered why not. Well, people are aware now, but... We we now know he's getting better and he'll, he'll be bouncing back to full health really quickly, I hope, mate. Mm. There was other sad news we heard in Porto, um, a gooner uh, of ours, um, a, a guy I, I, I met in passing, but I didn't know very, very well, but lots of our party did, Lyle and Ben and so on, uh, knew Jason Batchelor very, very well. And after the West Ham game, sadly, uh, the guy's in his late 40s, early 50s, uh, he, he passed away. Um Devastating news. Um, he's one of our own. Uh, he was a gooner, a lifelong gooner. He travelled home and away. Uh, his highlight 
uh, I've been told was when uh, his proudest moment was Old Trafford when we picked up the title in Old Trafford. Um, he loved Lewis Dunford and Lewis Dunford. Ben put a post up on on Twitter um, and put a couple of pictures up of him on there. And Lewis Dunford actually took the time out as well to to acknowledge um, Jason's passing and uh, you know said some some nice messages. So you know, Gooner in the sky. Uh, there is another one up there, uh, sadly. Right, um, let's cheer this uh, this place up a little bit. Let's uh, talk about Porto away. Uh, before before we do that, Fergus, um, yes. could you just move your head to the right a little bit? You're right. Look how good his wall looks. Is it just me? He looks absolutely bang on. I love every single bit. I love the clock. I love the bit above it. I love the fact. I'm getting bored with him now. You know that. Now. <laughs> 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 it's nice and straight and in a row. And Del, it doesn't remind me Del, of someone else's. Del, um, great trip to Porto. Um, you came out with with uh, with us. Very very close. Um, very very just to move on, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> you came out with, with myself and Trev and Dan. Uh, James, I think it was 14, 15 was a great, great party. How did you enjoy the away trip? I know you've done PSV before, but yeah, this, yeah. Is, uh, in, this is in the in type of sunshine. <laughs> uh, well, you know what, right? I said when we first got there, we walked out the airport in Vigo and that sunshine just hitting your skin for the first time. It's just a proper feel-good factor. And when you look at the reasons why you're there, you can see me smiling about it still now. You look at the reason why, why am I there in the sunshine? I'm not there with my wife. I'm not there with my kids and my family, although they're probably watching this, so I don't mean that, babe. But I'm there with my other family, and I'm enjoying it, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have the best two or three days ever, and and I did. I had uh, I was lucky to be there to um, experience the birth, uh, and then the breeding of the song, which we'll talk about uh, in a moment, I'm sure. Um, but also got to spend it with you guys, and um, the the car journey there for me was was brilliant. It was. Me and Dad in the back. Trev winding Ferg up in the front. <laughs> and we were getting a flack for it. It was brilliant. But no, all in, guys. A, a cracking weekend from start to finish. I call it a weekend, or that was a midweek, but you know what I mean. So thank you. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Dan, my serious face. You kept on talking about my serious face. You had a very serious face in the car, didn't you, Fergus? I did indeed. All I, mean, I asked you, all Trevor all I asked. To do was help you. <laughs> just every all time that Satnav said turn right or whatever, he just wanted to repeat it and make sure you heard him. But you just kept biting his, his head off and poor, poor Trev. Honestly, I felt sorry for him. He was he was very rude in that car. Bonus. I thought Trev was fine. It was the two guys in the back that were winding me up more than anything else. The car was awful. The gearbox. Well, the car wasn't too bad. The gearbox was absolutely awful. And uh, my car. My car does everything for me. Trev, you've been in my car. It parks itself. It, it, it turns the lights on, the wipers on, everything. And I had this car, I put it into reverse when we got into, into Porto itself in the car park. I had no camera and I had no sensors. I went, how the hell am I going to park this thing? <laughs> Says more well, about the driver, doesn't it, really? If you can't, can't it park it without all the help. It does. You don't have a license, I, so Josh. I, I think <laughs> it makes him feel better if he's talking on Irish accent. So he got, we got to the toll machine. And his arms were too short for the machine. <laughs> I've always said, deep pockets, short arms. To be sure, fellas, to be sure. I love your Welsh accent. <laughs> Trevor, it was it was a brilliant trip. Uh, good company. And uh, not just our own direct company, but also the extended group uh, of, I think it ended up being 14 or 16 of us uh, in the end. I'll tell you what, I've got a picture. We went out to lunch 
um, the day of the game. And this, this is this is the bunch. There was a couple of other guys who came in from Yorkshire as well and joined us. But um, it was it was it was a good afternoon. The, the only thing that I found is the night that we got there. First of all, we had beautiful tapas, and um, Dale, well, I, I, I I had half a beautiful tapas. <laughs> we ordered three dishes each. I had four. You had how many, Dale? I had two. Yeah. It was a mistake by the waitress. That's all I put it down to. So just, just for those, uh, uh, to put some context behind this, there was uh, some parma ham and olives and things on the menu, which looked really nice. I thought Olives were beautiful. On there. Olives it, were beautiful. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't know. That's hard to take your word. So anyway, this meal came out and Fergus was like, oh, I ordered that. I was like, hey, put it in front of you, then you have it. Anyway, next thing I know, they, they brought out this, what can only be described as dog meat. Um, warm, squidgy dog meat, which turned out to be Fergus's. But by this point here, he'd already eaten my olives in my uh, palmer hammer and proceeded to tell me just how nice they were for the next half an hour. <laughs> I don't, I, to be honest, I did feel quite awful about that, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, know, did you, Fergus? You didn't no. feel You didn't I, feel awful at all. You've, I, you I did. Type of. Type of. I'll tell you how bad you felt, Ferg. You, you continued to eat my pork as well afterwards. I had a pork. Oh, that was beautiful. You went, oh, that this is beautiful. nice. I know, that's why I ordered that as well. It, 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 that was very nice. But you did have one of my cod bites and everything else. So, yeah, that was that was good. Uh, um, Paul uh, says pedigree chum. I don't think it was that quality. I think it was probably more like your your budget sort of, you know, full of cereal sort of. It was, it was meant to be um, uh, Turkish, uh, uh, Portuguese sausage sort of stuff in puff pastry but it, it wasn't pleasant but we proceeded to go down by the river and uh we had a few drinks uh with the lads it wasn't a late night for three of us at least um dan stayed out till the early hours of the morning till three o'clock in the morning but um what started in burnley uh really took off in um in Porto. Dan, talk us through how this song came about. It's a, a group effort. There's been people who are out there and people who are on FaceTime and everything else, but uh, talk us through this. And I'm going to play it. Um, just let it play for a minute and then I'll turn it down. You can talk. Done. Yeah, I think that video doesn't even do it justice to how long it went on for and how loud and big it was. But uh, yeah, it just, I mean, it started with someone who wrote it a few years ago, but obviously one of the lads in the group put, put a voice note in and, and we just, we heard it and went, that's the one. So just, yeah, we've been, been pushing it as much as we can and singing it on trains and it turns out that the big Gabby himself loves it and uh, yeah, it's a job well done for everyone involved. But me, I think it's a, a brilliant chant, and uh, yeah, if you can hear in the one more time, one more time every two seconds, one more time lasts in thirty more yeah. times from uh, from Lyle. We know how he lost his voice. It, it it went on for 17, 18 minutes. That did. It was just unreal. Uh, Trev, uh, we can even see you singing, and you don't do much singing very often. You like this song, don't you? Well, I'm normally drinking, but it was it was, it was just a bouncy, lovely atmosphere. It was, I'm so proud of the Arsenal fans for the whole trip because we were loud, we were boisterous, but as always, 
totally well behaved. You know what I mean? Impeccably well behaved. And it makes my day when I, I just love watching it all going off, all the young lads around us. And it was it was just it was a great trip from start to finish. It really was. Just had a question come up here quickly, changing the subject. Stephen, for anyone that wonders, Alex can't be with us tonight. He's um he's working unfortunately. He's uh, yeah, he's what? We sacked we him. We did not sack him. We did not sack him. <laughs> You're harsh, Fergus. Harsh. I am. I am. I am. Uh, Dale. Um, so we continued on on uh, that evening, and not a late one for for most, as I said. But the following day, we've done what we you've done with Trevor before, and I've done a few times with Trevor, and um, we went and visited um, the what's it called, Drago uh, Stadio Drago, is it, Trev? Yeah, Stadio the Dragao, I think, D-R-A-G-A-O, I think. Yeah, so um, really, really um, strange-looking stadium, but we also saw the museum and and the trophies. And to be honest, for people to understand, this is the opposition that we're playing against. We're playing against people who've won the Champions League twice, uh, dominated their domestic league um, in many areas. Um, Dale, uh, what did you make of the stadium and, and just doing that trip? Yeah, my my first thoughts of it, um, I was a little bit underwhelmed in all honesty. I thought it'd be a bit better than what it was. Um, I thought it looked very tired from the outside. Um, there's no we used to, obviously we used to all the uh, the decals and things on the on the outside of the Emirates. There's a lot of stadiums in the UK are, so it looked a bit grey, a bit bland, um, and like I say, a little bit underwhelming. But um, that's not how my opinion of the stadium finished. I actually thought it was quite a quite a nice stadium in inside. Um, I think the attendance on the night was like 49,000 or something, wasn't it? But you could it easily was, yeah. increase that stadium by another 20,000 capacity because it was strange that behind the goals, there's no upper tier. There's just a big gap. What The wind can just blow through. So if they wanted to, they could make that uh, a much, much bigger stadium. But no, I, I liked it. I thought it was uh, a decent stadium. So let's, let's briefly uh, cover the game itself. So... Um... The game itself, uh, before we do that, um, let's just stick this one up here. Um, <laughs> fridge magnets. <laughs> right, I'll tell you about that one in a second. So this is this is our gang uh, behind our Mikel Arteta and the, the, the England Arsenal flag. So uh, that was that was all of us uh, that we travelled to. The, the fridge magnets, I bought some fridge magnets um, late on the evening and I went got through uh, security. Uh, we'd already meet your friends, Dale, the uh, the Robocop policeman with the batons and guns <laughs> and everything else. And uh, you try to have a friendly conversation with them, which doesn't really happen on your... They weren't having any of it, were they? No, they weren't having any of it. <laughs> um, but my fridge magnets got um, confiscated, so I didn't bring a gift back to my wife. Um, so let's have a look at the, the lineups. Um, there was no changes, I don't believe, um, from the previous few games that we had played. Uh, um, Dan, um, were you pleased with the lineup having Raya, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Kivior, Rice, Havertz, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, and Trossard? I'm pleased that you just got all your names right, to be honest, Fergus. That's a very good start. Yeah, I am too. Um, I must, it must be this cold. It must be, it must be. Um, I mean, when you've got a 6-0 win and a 5-0 win in the bank, you don't change your team, right? So you can't blame anyone for, for playing the same side. They've been in very good form. So no no shocks there. No shocks there. Um, before we do move on, the trip on the tube train, uh, the Metro, um, Trev, 
that was an experience and a half as well, wasn't it? Again, the same song, uh, but um, your Arsenal in black and white um, came along and said uh, that, that the, the the Metro was unreal. Let me just play this for you. This is just, let to get rid of that banner. Um, this is just unreal. I've got two quick videos. <laughs> Trevor, how do you think those people who were on the Metro as we arrived into that station would have felt seeing the wall of Arsenal come at them at Trinidad Station? Well, they'd have been a little bit worried, I would think, but they didn't have anything to worry about, did they? As I just said, it was boisterous, it was lively, it was bouncy, but it wasn't any misbehaviour as such. Um, yeah. It was a coincidence, wasn't it? Because I think about there was about probably 10 groups small groups of Arsenal fans that all seemed to go down for that Metro team at train at the same time. And uh, as you, as we said, it was just a wall of noise. It was, it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed the trip to the ground. It was, uh, it was just wonderful. All the Arsenal fans doing what they do best, making the noise. Behind their team. The, uh, the was though, Fergus, that even after sort of you guys went back uh, to the hotel on Tuesday night, every single bar we went to, it just kept getting kicked off and kicked off and kicked off that song every single place we went. And it, it just seemed in my head to get louder and louder. And I think it's not come out of my head since. Was that because Lyle kept on going, louder, one it more that. time? It could be that. It was, uh, I'll tell you what, it's the wonkiest I've ever seen Lyle in my life. How he, how he made it to the end of that night, I do not know. But he, uh, I'll take credit he, for holding him up half the night. Yeah, he done, he done well. That's a really nice comment on there from Hentate. This podcast, once again, feels like I've been there with you, even far away in Finland. Um, so, yeah, that's really nice that, that it feels genuine like that. Um, I will give some people some insight. Um, while we're away, Trev, um, before we went, I got an email, didn't I, from a large, uh, a large company uh, that do male grooming. I'm not even going to mention them, uh, but they offered to do some sponsorship for us. Um, and I thought about it, and I was very flattered that uh, we they reached out to us and offered us some sponsorship. Um, but on reflection, I thought the way our podcast is and our raison d'etre, oh, that's posh, isn't it? Um, is, is like by ourselves, for our fans, we're not out here to be uh, rich and famous or anything like that. Uh, we just enjoy doing this. And I've decided between us all, that we're not going to go ahead and take up that sponsorship offer. What were your views on 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 that, Trev? About like you know, being made I, contact with first of all. I think it's I think it's a great um, says all good things about our podcast. It says that people notice us and we're doing the right things. If companies want to be associated with us, then 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 we're probably bang on the right track. But I was of the same view as you, really, Fergus. Do do we want do we want or need sponsorship at the moment? Do we want advertisements on this podcast? For me, it sort of moves the goalposts a bit, and that's not saying any bad words about any company that wants to sponsor us. No. But for me, it moves the goalposts a bit. It, it, it 
sort of eases the, the, the wording we use is by Arsenal fans, for Arsenal fans, like being in a pub talking. It might change that slightly. It might be something we have to consider in the future, Ferg, because I know that doing this podcast, and I'll say it you, I know you won't, this podcast does cost you a few quid, you know, and it wouldn't hurt for you to regain some of that. I honestly wouldn't. And I wouldn't blame you if we get any other offers if we accepted them. Because at the end of the day, we're not here to make money, but we're not here to lose money, are we? So, you know, I'll review whatever you want to do, mate, to be honest. But I do like what we do at the moment, mate. So let's look at the game then. So we've gone all all, all over the place at the minute. Uh, Declan Rice, uh, uh, Trev, not even a minute into the game and he gets a yellow card. Did that set Did that set the, the, the whole, uh, not tempo of the game, but the whole feeling of how that game was going? And we know that there was 36 fouls awarded uh, by the referee uh, in, in that game. Um, and we could see very clearly from where we were um, how the how the, the the officiating was being done. What did you make of Declan Rice's um, uh, uh, yellow card and, and and just generally the way it was managed? Well, I didn't realise it at the time, Fergus, because as you rightly said, it was the first minute of the game. But I honestly think it was the most important part of the evening for us. It absolutely had to change Declan Rice's game plan. And the more Declan Rice saw that the referee was being very picky and giving free kicks for anything, the Porto players were going... I'd, I'd like to say the Porto players went down very easy, but that would be a disservice to very easy. They went down easier than that. And if you're on a yellow, you've got to be so careful. And I've watched the game back and I've reflected on it. There's a few things that affected us as the game went on. Most of them out of our control, in my view. But Rice getting booked in the first minute, especially when it was followed in the next 10 or 15 minutes by quite a few fouls of equal or worse um, fouls that didn't get booked. I honestly think it changed our game. I honestly think it impacted greatly on the way our team could perform. Hmm. Dale, what did you make of, of, of how the game was managed? Um, uh, Declan Rice and get booked. Um, I'm not going to go line by line through first half, second half as we do normally with the game, but I, I think it's more about look, Trevor said, um, earlier on, I think he kept uh, uh I'm trying to look at the, the, the line Trevor said, What sticks with me? I remember him saying on the night yes. as well, he said, I saw 30, uh, the 36 uh fouls there. I didn't see 36 fouls, just 36 free kicks. And I think he hit the nail on the head. I really do. I think um, it's easy to blame the referee when you win. Uh, sorry, when you lose. Um, but in all honesty, even if we'd have won that game, I think we'd still be talking about how poor the referee was because he was very, very poor. Um, I don't, again, like uh, Trev said, I've watched the game back and they were falling over left, right and centre. Um, the, the, the smallest of contacts, sometimes not even any contacts, just uh, obscuring the view of the referee and they'll go down and we're getting free kicks for it. Uh, I don't know enough about the referee to to say um, what he's like normally, but I think that game was too big for him. I really do. And I just hope in the return leg back at the Emirates, I hope we have a much stronger referee because I do think the referee spoiled that game. Hmm. Uh, Dan, uh, Trevor said in one of the WhatsApps to us, we very nearly had a draw again away against the last 16 Champions League side. A team playing away in the first leg would take that as a result. Bear in mind, again, we go back and look at uh, this here. They've got a, a shed lot of trophies domestically 
uh, and internationally in Europe, this team have achieved probably greater things than Arsenal in the sense that they've won the Champions League twice and they win their domestic league on a regular basis. What did you make of the game and what stood out for you most? I think Joe's right in terms of the result, right? If you come away from home and don't lose and take at least a draw back home, you're happy. But taking the result out of it and taking the referee out of it, I think looking at ourselves, we didn't have the best game. Um, I think we would have got away with one if we had not lost that game, personally. I don't think we were at the races with the ball. I don't think we created enough. It wasn't sharp enough. Um, even our pressing drifted a little bit after a while, I thought. Um, I thought it was just a bit of an off day for us as well. We, if, if we was a little bit better, I think we could have got something more out of that game. But having said that, if you're going to pick a game where you're not going to be at the top of your game, it's going to be in a two-leg tie as opposed to a one-sort-of-leg um, game. So we've got another opportunity at home to set the record straight. And I've got no doubts that we're a better side and that if we play like we did on the weekend um, and as we have against West Ham and Burnley, that we'll turn them over. But it won't be easy. They're a good side. Porto do that on a regular basis in their own league. They, they're not a team that's on the front foot in the Portuguese league. They sit in, they're defensively tight. They have sort of their, their midfield sit close to their defence and they play on the counter. That's that's the way they play. And, and and for them, their game plan worked and they did exactly what they needed to do. But we'll, yeah, I, I, th- I think we'll have a much better performance in the second leg. Trevor, on a final note on this, if it did finish nil-nil, and, and, and we'll talk about the goal after this um, uh, briefly, but if it did finish nil-nil, it would have been a brilliant result. Yeah. So, like, taking all those risks um, at the end and, 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 and the pass by Martinelli and uh, Rea, which we'll talk about in a moment, does that just show the inexperience? Because um, starting in, in that lineup, you had Havertz, who was the only one who had played in the Champions League. Yes, he, he scored the winner in the Champions League final for um, uh, Chelsea. And Jorginho, who came on, who had an outstanding game against Newcastle, and we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but he didn't have the best game at Porto. But they were the, that, that was the best experience we got. And we got kids who've never been in the Champions League at this stage before. It's got to be a huge factor. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with anything the boys have said tonight, but experience, uh, for me, is massive. And experience looking from different perspectives as well. I mean, we've not played in the Champions League for years, right? We have no pedigree in the Champions League recently. And we've come up against a team that are regular quarter-finalists or last 16 teams in the Champions League. And when when you're playing amongst the best 16 teams in Europe, then experience counts for a lot. Been there, done it before. Now, I think the inexperience was possibly shown by a young manager. He's never managed in it before. And I think one or two things he did, he probably would do differently. But you can't blame him for that. I I think that our, our our players, particularly our younger players, didn't quite know how to play against Porto's game plan of falling over at every opportunity. And I, I'm hoping that they've taken that away and really learnt something from the game and that this week in training, they're planning on how we play against a team that does that. And thirdly, I think that some of our younger fans, and I'm not having to go at our younger fans for this, I think some of our younger fans have shown a bit of inexperience in, in watching Champions League football because, we, as I say, we've not been in it for years. A lot of the younger fans won't have seen us get to the latest stages of the Champions League. And that game against Porto is what it's like. That's what it's like. Teams do anything to win a tie at that stage of the competition. 
Porto would, well, we saw it at the end. I don't know if they showed it on the telly, but we saw it after the game. Porto were absolutely ecstatic. At they walked around that pitch like they won the Champions League, didn't they? Absolutely. And do you know why they're absolutely ecstatic at nicking that goal at the end? Because the best game they play is to come to the Emirates. They won't be trying to score a goal at the Emirates. They absolutely won't be trying to score a goal at the Elliot, Elliot at the Emirates. And they'll be waiting for us to come at them because we've got to now. We're 1-0 down. We'll probably play a cagey first half. If we don't score early, we'll have to come out a bit more. And then they'll be wanting to play their game. So I think it's going to be a real hard game at home. I'm hoping we've got enough to turn them over, Ferg. But if I'm honest, I'm a bit worried about it because I know, Paul, I know Porto will be really, really difficult, really difficult. But what I do think is that if we score one against them, we'll score more. Yeah. I would. I was a bit excited. Break it again, you know. I was a so, bit excited. I thought we'd do them three 0 but you know, uh, you, you're older, wiser, uh, and more long in the tooth with uh, following Arsenal over over land and sea. So you probably were. Well, you definitely were right, Dan. I'm. I, I'm going to come to you on the goal um, because there's been lots of talk about the goal itself that people are blaming Raya. Some people are saying it was a worldie. It curled. Um, and you sent me a couple of pictures. Do you want the wide angle first or the, uh, the, the, the narrow angle? Yeah, you can go for the wide one first. Um, okay. To be honest, when, when we was in the stands, I was sitting there thinking, I thought Raya's positioning was off. But I think when you look at it there, his positioning is exactly where it should be. But you can see in front of him from when the ball's struck, he's got, I think is it Saliba and Rice um, and then Ben White sort of a little bit in his eye line, and then if you go to the next picture, you can see when you zoom in, he's trying to near enough lean on his right foot to try and see where the ball is. And I think just as he puts his weight on his right foot, the ball gets struck. And I think the ball was just struck a bit sooner than what he expected, so maybe caught him off guard a little bit. But when his weight's on the right hand side to then push off to the left and dive, I think he's just yeah, his weight distribution's in the wrong place. And you see that I don't think it was the best strike. It was it was a decent strike, but it wasn't in the top corner. The way it sort of loops, it loops more in sort of the bottom half of the net on the right than it did at the top. So I think it's a savable shot, but it's not something that I would say is is his fault. He's just trying to see where the ball is. He gets caught off guard a little bit. It's one of those that happen, move on. I don't think it's anywhere near sort of needing to slate him. Um, there's lots of other areas in that goal that I think are more of a mistake than what, than what Reyes was. I think the players giving the ball away at that stage as Trev said, you know, you look at experience, more experienced players will probably keep hold of the ball, see the game out, take a nil-nil draw. We didn't do that. We also didn't get out quick enough to the shot um, to, to save the rest of our team as such. And yeah, it's one of those that just that goes in and we, we move on. Dale, uh, for the first time on record, uh, sorry, for the second time on record since 2003-2004 season, the invincible season, uh, Arsenal uh, didn't register a shot on target. But um, I had this discussion with my brother and Trevor's on on the WhatsApp group because it's, he's a man and he, we just keep on winding him up and stuff like that. But we had 10 corners and all of those corners were from opportunities where we had just come shy and they, they, they defended that. We, we were peppering the goal and we dominated the, the game quite a lot, uh, but they kept on breaking it up and breaking it up, a bit Sam Allardyce-esque type thing. Um, what did you make of people's comments about... Um, no shots on target and do, spinning that narrative as a negative. Um, I think all, there's always going to be negatives when you lose a game. People are always going to look for the the what went wrong while, rather than what 
went right. But let's not forget, we should have been 1-0 down at half-time. Um, they missed an absolute sitter from six yards out it twice is. in the same passage of play. I think they hit the bar the first time, put it wide the second time. I've got to mention on that goal as well, by the way. Um, that I, I don't blame Rare at all. Dan makes a very good point about the weight distribution. You look at that from the other angle, from behind, that ball's going about four yards wide. The curl that ball has on it, it was whipped in. It was a great strike. I'm not taking that away from it. Do I think it was saveable? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not a goalkeeper. I don't know, but I'm taking nothing away from that from that goal. Um, I think we, we had opportunities to create chances. And I think I said on the night, um, I think the distribution we normally see from Saka, because I, I don't know the, the, the actual number, but I think most of the corners were probably on Saka's side, um, from what I remember. And he didn't beat his first man on so many occasions. No. And I think it was more, not the fact that, we weren't, I mean, set pieces, we've been fantastic on this season. We really have. There's no There's no hiding that. Again, we'll come on to that shortly with Newcastle. But I just don't think, uh, it's a bad day at the races, in all honesty. I think we play that game again, we win. And, I, and I've got no doubt in my mind, when we take them to the Emirates, I do think it'll be easier than what people think. I know Trev thinks it won't be an easy game. I think it will. I don't. Um, I don't. I know, I know many of you guys don't. Um, but I think we'll beat them quite comfortably at the Emirates. I really do. Trev, do you want a, fi- a final say on this? Yeah. I, do you know what? I think I, I, I totally agree with Dan in that that shot that, that the chap took. I haven't studied it to the depth that Dan has. But we were diagonally in line, right behind where it was hit. And as the boys said, it had a massive curl on it. But it didn't only have a massive curl left to right. It had a massive curl over and down as well. It went both ways. And uh, I can't blame Raya for that goal. I can't blame Raya for that goal, you know. Um, it's, it's, it, it's an interesting point I've just noticed here from, from our good friend Hente in, in that he thinks our European record sets the tone because there's no doubt that we've been, although we've won we won the Fairs Cup once and we won the Cup Winners Cup, Cup once, we've been massive underachievers in Europe. Absolutely. What I will say, Hente, is that that was under a different regime, mate, different time period. And you would hope that different setup we've got now bears no resemblance to any of that in any way, shape or form, and that we can move on from that and, and move forward. I, I, this game, this game, we're picking it apart, and, and I think we're right to do so. I think we're right to do so. But Dale just said I slightly disagree with him that we could play that game another 10 times and probably win it. I honestly think looking at Porto and looking at what experience they've got and, and, and how good they were at not how good they were as footballers but how good they were at doing what they did on the night i think if we played that game another 20 times we'd probably win it twice i honestly do they were good porto they played out a game plan and they played it and we've just got to get them back to our place now and make sure that we turn them over but it ain't going to be easy i've got to say there trevor i've got to slightly disagree with that i don't think they were as good as what they what they were I think the referee allowed them to get that result. I really do. With a stronger referee, I don't think that result happens because there's plenty of times where we took the ball off them fairly. We had chances to proceed and progress, but weren't allowed because the ref pulled it back. I think the result is a byproduct of the referee, and I really do. I really do. I get what you're saying, and they, they're they a very well-organised team. They were the referee part of the game. You know, that's what we've got. What, they knew that the ref was being a little lenient with certain things, and they played to that, and we didn't. 
and and so and and that, that that's the inexperience i think that that that's that's the inexperience i agree with both of you uh, it's really strange um but i agree with both of you in the sense that i thought the referee was appalling i thought the game was a dreadful game um and i thought the the standard that considering that and I, I think i said it several times on the night considering that it's meant to be champions league football um that the referee wasn't wasn't good enough for the championship uh, in, in my view but intelligent players experienced players should pick up on that and know how to play that referee. Um, the, the, the thing is, though, Ferg, like if it, the, the referee, for example, right, he's a, he's a referee that referees in the Netherlands and he's got Turkish descent. Those two leagues are very much of the ilk that you can't touch a player, and that's European football. You know, that, that, that it's, it's the Premier League that's the fast paced physical league compared to the rest. So, in terms of European football, that's that's pretty standard, right? And that happens so, so many times. But the only reason I think I, I agree with Trev on, on Porto is that Porto played that game week in, week out in the Portuguese league. And if you watch them regularly, that's exactly what they do. And that happens so, so many times. And they're just a very, very well-drilled, experienced team. So uh, I, look, at home, as I said last time, that's their cup final. That's their, their game where they had to go and get a result because they've got a chance of going through and set themselves up for the second leg. And they, they've given themselves a good chance because they are not a bad side. Um, but yeah, it's now time for us to go and, and show how good we are. I'd near enough say, I'll be showing the, the boys the videos of them celebrating at the end of that game, saying they feel like they've achieved the first part of their game plan, that they are now ready to go and, and go through to the next round. And, and you know, the, the lads need to go out and show now that we want it more. Yeah. There's a video of Conseil Sal. Did you see him in the changing room with a cigar? He was yeah. smoking a cigar. They're all singing, chanting, celebrating. Sorry, Trav, go on. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's right because you see... A 1-0 win in a tight Champions League game like that is something to celebrate in their eyes, you know, because that's how they win, get through rounds. I'm not going to go all over it again, but we've got a real difficult game coming up at the Emirates. They are not going to try and score a goal at the Emirates. They definitely won't. I think, that, I th I think they'll try and get an early one, and if they can, get away with it. Otherwise, they'll do like what West Ham did to us uh, before not a chance will they try and score an early goal. They will not give us an inch of space. Not a I chance. tell you what, we have. They don't come out, honestly. They really don't. They they play long into Evan Nielsen up top week in, week out. And that's what they do. They play off him. So that's what we'll see them do. They'll sit in, they'll be very tight, and they'll play yeah. long balls and they'll try and feed off of him. But they will try and take their chances. They're not just going to sit there and not move, you know, because no team's going to sit there and not move. But. Let's let's move on to the Newcastle game. But I'll tell you what, we do have our secret um, a secret weapon in defence uh, for when they come to the Emirates uh, Porto. Uh, we got Trevor, oh, <laughs> and he gets his stats out. <laughs> Drunk again. Listen. Oh, I miss his <laughs> Oh God, you you weren't actually. No, I'm, I'm not. Wallets, wallets, tits, and tats. Yeah. Yeah, well, tits and dads. Um, the, the the club. I, listen, the club before the the Newcastle game, uh, done a big call to arms with beers and uh, free beers. There was scarves on the and flags on the north bank. Uh, there was lots of social media stuff from uh, bring the noise, bring the energy. There was even this video. Back home. Spend some time on the road. But all that matters is now. 
Saturday night, under the lights, a full house. Energy, intensity. So there, were, there was lots of hype and, um, uh, you know, trying to get the crowd up. Dan, you like atmosphere. I like atmosphere. I like building up to the games. I like I like what we do on the on uh, block five uh, on the concourse. It was a very good night on on the concourse. Uh, what did you make of of all this um, social media activity? Um, were you comfortable with it? Because I actually had a couple of people comment uh, to me, and people in the media saying it was pathetic. What did you think? Oh, I'd let them think what they want. At the end of the day, we we as a club know what we need to do and as fans and, and our job as a fan is to turn up and make noise and, and get behind the boys and anything as an incentive from the club to try and do that I'm never going to criticise I'm not going to say they get it right all the time I'm not going to say they're always going to get it right but the the idea behind what they're trying to do and the meaning behind it is is the right one because this isn't about making money at this point you know this is about trying to get the fans in a, in a position where they're in a positive mindset coming into a big, big game where they can make a difference. And that that 12th man, that extra 10% that we can give to the players shows when we, when we have a big atmosphere like that in the stadium, we have an advantage. And that's the advantage that we need to capitalise on whenever we play at home and make it a fortress. So I would just say well done to absolutely everyone involved from the club, um, trying to get the message out to people from the guys we know in red action that recommended having to buy one get one free beer with a club for that for that game for the fans that turned up in a very good mindset and that made noise from the minute they stepped on the concourse and then for the players that reacted to that and delivered and the Esperant army at the other end with their 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 tifo and the the um the art deco logo uh, I, I love that trev you were there <laughs> you were even singing again weren't you <laughs> you couldn't help yeah. yourself do you know what it's it's, it's really interesting this you know, I've always said that, that players help the fans make an atmosphere and fans help the players make an atmosphere. You know what? I was wrong, Ferg. I was wrong because I think maybe from my perspective, maybe for the first time, to my knowledge, the Arsenal Football Club, the powers that be, have suddenly thought to themselves, well, we need to help the, fact the crowd make an atmosphere here. We need to do some work. And I was proud of my football club. Um, I just wish they'd have done it some time ago. All the efforts with the flags and the scarves and the AA boys with the TFOs and the, the light show and, and the, the fire. It looked like a proper, lively football stadium. It looked like a football stadium that might intimidate opposition players, you know. And that's what we need. So I've been wrong saying it was just about fans and players. The club has a massive part to play as well. It did it brilliantly on Saturday night. Absolutely brilliantly on Saturday night. And I hope that they continue to do it. And one other thing before I finish about the atmosphere. I listened to North London Forever, as we all do, and sung along before the game, right? And then I didn't hear Newcastle United fans almost all the game. I honestly think that North London Forever, not only does it lift the players, not only does it lift our fans, it lets the opposition fans know that they're actually in a proper lively football stadium that can be a cauldron of noise when it needs to be. I was proud of everybody, mate, Saturday night. The whole start to finish, the whole lot, was the players, the fans, the club, 
brilliant. Couldn't give me any more praise. What people won't know is that Jason, uh, sorry, James Swanson uh, was the fan experience guy that was there before. Uh, he's uh, recently left his position, and the guy, um, uh, yeah, the guy wasn't really in touch with what um, normal fans like, and whoever's, uh, I, I don't know who the guy's, um, our person who's come in to replace him, um, but who, whoever it is, they've done a fantastic job. Dell, you weren't able to get to the game for various reasons. How gutted were you? And how good did it sound on the telly? Mate, I can't even begin to tell you how gutted I was. Um, but that was the price I paid for uh, going to Porto, I guess. But um, uh, albeit my tickets were in good hands, and I'm I, I, I'm I'm always happy to see uh, like Andy have my tickets and little Theo, and I'm glad to see them uh, enjoying themselves. Um, how did it sound on TV? Um, one of the things I don't think TV videos anything along that. Um, those lines there do it is justice. When the, the, going back to the videos we saw earlier on the train in Porto, North London, forever in the stadium, not everyone's lucky enough to be able to experience that either home or away. But the actual noise is like Trevor just said the noise there, it's an intimidating place to go. We had a reputation, people used to call it the library, right? Opposition fans used to call it the like even some of our own used to call it the library, and I hated that, hated that. But people now know before we even kick a ball, they're in a game because we're creating that. That atmosphere, both in the concourse, which is spilling out um, onto uh, the terraces. And, and truth be told, it sounds electric uh, on the TV. But when you're there, you feel the electricity as well. It's it's honestly the, the, the passion people have at the minute is fantastic. And, and I'm just absolutely devastated that I weren't there on Saturday to experience that. Mm. Listen, we've got quite a few people watching us on various platforms, on YouTube, on Twitter, on, on Facebook. We'd love if you went over to our YouTube channel, click the like button, because then you'll see us pop up more up often, and uh, click the subscribe, so then you won't miss us in future. Trevor, let's look at the lineup. So we had Raya, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Kivior, Rice, Jorginho, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, and Havertz. Same-o, same-o. Um, <laughs> nothing wrong with it. <laughs> After our least, after our recent results, mate, I'm not bothered about the lineup now. I, I, I know that whoever we puts out there is going to run their socks off for the for the cause. Well, I'm talking about Premier League now. We've left the, the Porto game behind now. Put out your heads, people. But I don't care who he picks. I trust him. I, I trust him implicitly to get it right. Um, I thought that I, I, I was surprised to see Jorginho in there. But he went on, and we'll talk about it in a minute. He went on to have a sublime game of football, Jorginho, on Saturday. It was a purred his way through the game. It was wonderful. And for the first half, I'm not going to get to the end. Don't worry for for the first half. We hardly saw New, Newcastle touch the ball, right? And I honestly think it's because those Newcastle players come onto that field and thought, Jesus, it's a wall of noise. There's fireworks. There's North London forever. We're playing against a team that's won their last five games. They're looking lively. They didn't know what had hit them, Newcastle. I, I'm going to say it again. I just said it. I was so proud of 60-odd thousand fans, the club, the players, the, everybody, Saturday night. If, if, you, if, you, if you said to me last week, what would be a perfect way to lead into the Newcastle game? I wouldn't have said any different than what happened. I'm that proud of our club this week, folks. Mm. Uh, Dan, um, early on, Gabrielle, um, uh, you'll fall in love. I'm sure you will. Um, 
he got up for this wonderful look. Look, look, what a picture this is! I don't know who, who's taken the picture, but I've lifted off the internet, and it's a stunning picture. It just shows the athleticism of the of the guy. Um, he was unfortunate to be chalked off as an own goal. I was just so hoping for him to have that goal, weren't you? Do you um do you mean you've stolen someone else's picture again, Fergus, without giving them credit? You've got a bit of a habit of this lately, haven't you, mate? No, I just I just lifted off one of the newspaper places, yeah. <laughs> Fergus doesn't give anyone ever credit any credit. So <laughs> it's get this get images. Get get a little stamp and pull it on your pictures when you post it, because Fergus is there on the prowl and he's ready to he's ready to lift it without giving you credit. But um it's very rude. You're on camera, Fergus. You do know that. You've got everyone going over to YouTube to watch us. For, for people, for people that are on the sound, I'd say don't go onto YouTube. It's very rude. It's very rude. Right? <laughs> um, but I tell you what, Gabriel, that's it's it's an example of what difference we can make as fans, right? Because we've heard a bit of noise recently of people that have shown Gabriel the chant and how much he loves it, and we've seen quite a lot of fans that we know personally where sort of Gabriel has been viewing their their stories and just you know where he's been tagged in it, and as fans you can make a difference to a player. And and I, ca I can't imagine how that would feel as a player, giving your all and then it being recognised by fans singing your song over and over again. So I, I think that's only going to help him. And, and and he's already in fantastic form and hopefully that will keep it going for him. But I just really wanted it to be given to him for his name to be rung out in the stadium and everyone to sing his song even louder. So hopefully that happens again. Yeah, it didn't really take off in, in the stadium itself for that reason. But listen, six minutes later, um, Havertz gets a goal. Dal, um, he's getting... Waka, waka, eh, 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 60 million dollar dream. Kai Havertz scored again. What a boy. Uh, Dale, I, I watched the game back and I'm seeing this guy grow into a really good player. He's, he's played better in red and white than he's ever played in blue and white. Um already and I think he's only going to get better. I thought his hold up play and his back to the goal and, and, and just him fending off players um is really, 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 really uh, good. What did you make of his goal and, and his performance throughout the game? Yeah, well one thing I will say is I think Chelsea must be kicking themselves because we've got two of their players who would walk straight back into their team now. Um absolutely Jorginho and, and Haberts and there was a lot of uh, negativity. We've, I won't go too much into it because we've covered it numerous times before. Um, a lot of negativity around Havertz. What does he do? 65 million, waste of money, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the reality is he's grown to be, I said it last week, I think it was, he's he's arguably one of the first names on the team sheet for me now. I think he is so important to our play. I really do. And, and to, for him to get those goals, what I'd like to see more of, if I'm honest, is when he misses a chance, God, social media is buzzing with everyone trying to jump on, oh, Havertz missed 65 million, blah, blah, blah. When he scores, everyone goes quiet. I wonder why that is. Maybe because he, he brings uh, a lot more than, than goals to that team. Um, there's one stat I saw on TV, which I don't know if you guys have seen, actually. I just wanted to mention this while we're still talking about the first half. Now, you know, the, on the Sky Sports, they have action areas so you have the arsenal's half the center of the pitch and the the newcastle half right so 52 percent of the first half was spent in our attacking third newcastle's defense defensive third 52 percent now I, I don't know the exact numbers but i think you'll struggle to find a lot of games where you'll see those sort of numbers i really do we were that dominant in that first half i think it was just a credit to everyone on that pitch honestly the, the pressing and uh we didn't give 
uh, Newcastle a second on the ball. I, I think their brains were frazzled uh, by just the pressure and the pressing, Dan, that um, we, we, we put onto that side. It's probably probably one of the best performances I can remember of recent times, at least, of our pressing. I think there was another stat I, I saw that um, I think they might have had like one or two touches in our box or something in the whole of the first half. Like they, 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 barely didn't, like they, didn't a, they didn't have a shot on target for the whole uh, yeah, first they, half. They, they were never in that game, honestly. We, we pressured them so much. We suffocated them as a team. And we were also clinical for once as well. Um, and when we get ahead in the game like this, I don't see teams pulling us back because when they have to open up to, to get back into the game, they leave spaces. And, and even the second half, you know, the first 10 minutes, Newcastle gave it a bit of a go. And then as soon as they come out, another two goals again. That, that teams like that can't deal with how good we are as an attacking unit when they leave spaces. But they also now can't seem to deal with how we recycle the ball and how we suffocate teams. And and that, for me, is, is one of the best things to see. And I think that's down to the management. The, the management, at the end of the day, take the team from our box to their box then it's down to the players to finish. So if we become more of a clinical team, honestly, I think we're we're not far off of being an unstoppable team for for a couple of years, like like City have been. Uh, Trev, I was just about to mention about uh, that the Hentis, but I've, yeah, I didn't know the number of touches, but I knew he had the highest number of touches in the first half. Jorginho had 84 touches in the first half. Uh, he didn't have the best game in Porto when he came on, but he was, I know you touched on him earlier, but he was out standing against Newcastle. Yeah, he just he just kept attracting the ball. He just kept wanting the ball and, and moving it around nicely. And I thought him and Rice were absolutely perfect together. I, I really did. Against, a, you know, they're not the best side in the world, Newcastle, but they're a decent side. And they were made to look extremely ordinary by us. Extremely ordinary. You know, um, we're, I never, you know, looking at how he was, I don't think I'd ever say it, but we're not missing party, are we? we uh, the party doesn't walk back into this team, right? And that's a massive statement. To say a player of that class and quality doesn't walk into a team means we're doing all right. And you see, just to finish off, Ferg, opposition teams now are starting to think of us differently. Like around Christmas time, we had a bad run and West Ham managed to come block us out and nick a win. Um, Crystal Palace and Villa, uh, Crystal Palace tried to do it. Fulham did it, beat us. But now you see teams looking at us differently. We're scoring goals from all over the pitch again. The striker question comes up, do we or don't we, you know? But at the end of the day, we're scoring goals from all over the pitch, scoring for fun. Uh, the best player, in, best young player in the world, in my view, Bokayo Saka is flying again. That winter break has done him the world of good. So you, 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 you can absolutely guarantee that the teams we're playing soon are now looking at a completely different game plan to plan to play against us because we're not playing we're not playing in one area of the pitch we're playing all over the pitch with 11 players that are having a massive input into our performances we're a very special team at the moment let's hope we can keep it up because we, we're right on it we are right on it Dan he's not world class he's not world class at all is um our Saka. Um, 64 minutes in his 16th goal of the of the campaign, the first um player to reach five goals in a row in the Premier League since 1994. The last person to know was Ian Wright. Um, seven in five games, not world class, is he? Is he world class? 
No, I don't know. Rio Ferdinand thinks he isn't. Yeah, genuine question for you guys before I answer that. Do you think he's world class? If for me, he walks in. What, tell me a team he doesn't get into in the world. That to me answers your question. He walks oh, no, into any does, does level. Does that make you world class though? Of course it does. does that make? It does. Mm. If you can walk into any team in the world, you're world class. Anyone, if he went on the market, anyone would pay any money to get him. He's 200, 250 million now at his age. He's a very special, level headed young man. And I'm proud to see him play at our football club. And that picture of him standing in front of the flag there after he scored on his own will become an iconic photo. In years to come, people will fall back on that photo because, trust me, he's going to shine for years. I'm so proud of him. He's going to be a Liam Brady. Uh, he, he definitely deserves the number seven on his, on his back, doesn't he, Trev? Well, we know that the number seven shirt at Arsenal has a remarkable history, Fergus. A remarkable history. And he's doing nothing at all not to follow up with that history, not to keep it right up there, mate. A outstanding mm. effort. Especially for a lad that was struggling a bit early in the season, we thought. Looked really tired in a couple of games. He's bounced back and he's answered all his critics. Massively. Another young player that... I think like that. It's a really interesting question: Is he world class? Because I think if you ask as an Arsenal fan, I'm going to say yes because we love him a bit. He's a fantastic player. Ask him as a neutral; he's a brilliant player. He's got a great career ahead of him. But what makes a player world class? At what point? And I don't know the answer to this, but what, at what point do you change from form turning into being a world class player? Because the last two years he's been fantastic form and he's making a big, big difference to our club. But a world-class player is able to turn a game from nothing to something at the turn of a hat without playing well. And at the moment, he's still going through his ups and downs of consistency to turn from who is a fantastic player, and, and I agree, would get into pretty much every single squad. In the, in, in, I, I, but he's not I, quite... I, like Mo, Mo Salah, for example. Mo Salah can do it. Flick a switch. A Messi can flick a switch. A Ronaldo can flick a switch. But but but, but Dan, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak over the top of you here. But uh, what's new? Um, I I think he can do that. I I think what makes somebody world class is when they start winning major trophies. And I think when um Saka will be in Rio Ferdinand's eyes, uh, if we want to use that barometer. Um, if we win the Premier League or the Champions League or something like that, then nobody can argue. Or if he wins the Euros with England, then you can definitely say he's world-class. But I think he's there or thereabouts right now. I, I don't think he's that far off. Um, you know, the, some people might argue over detail, like you're talking about, about the difference between him and Salah and so on. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't agree with the trophy part because how many players could we name that have won trophies in, in previous years that, have, that are nowhere near? The level that he is, you know, best better players have never won trophies. You know, Gerrard's never won the league, for example, in in, in the Premier League. You, we had players like Rami Shaban in goal that won the league title with us. How how far do you want to go there? I don't think trophies is the barometer for him, but mm. he's not yet at the point where if he he could go non-existent for the for a game, we'd be playing awful and him nick us something special on his own. I think at the minute, and I think it's coming. And I think that the biggest thing I could say for him is he's come through that period where he was double marks and he looked like he was being found out. He's now started to be 
a bit more unpredictable. We started to score some goals on his right foot again. He started to go both ways. And even with two men marking him, he started to make a difference. But he's got a way to go before he becomes the level of a Messi and Ronaldo and that sort of player if he wants to reach that level. That, for me, is the world-class level. And, and he needs to do that for I, I, To be honest, I, I, I don't even really want to get into the debate too much about it. I, I just... I just think, you know, let's let's let, let, let's concentrate on the game more because you know all we're doing is fueling um, Rio Ferdinand's ego on on, on this one. Um, Dale, if we look at um, uh, another young player who's done very very well, and for me, I think he's going to keep that left back position, uh, especially for the rest of the season until Timber uh, gets back in. Because when Timber gets fit, he'll be eased back into the ground. Kivior, and on sixty nine minutes, he scores a great goal from a, a rice corner. I'm so glad they gave that goal to him as well. There's, uh, I'm so, so glad they gave that goal to him. And I think a lot of people were as well, listening to it on the TV, they were saying about, um, was it an own goal? Where were they going to give it to? And within seconds, they'd say, yeah, the Premier League had given it to Kivior. I think he deserves that. I think last week alone, we were talking about just how good Kivior's been. Um, I think he um, gives us more defensive stability. Um, than what we've had. I don't want to put Zinchenko down, but I trust Kivior at the, at the moment more than I do Zinchenko at the back. But we've still got that attacking threat going forward as well. So I, I can't sing his praises enough. I mean, I think it was uh, either Dan or Trevor a couple of weeks ago was saying for them, he was their man of the match against might have been West Ham, actually. Um, I think it might have been yourself, Trev. But um, I, yeah, I think he's grown very quickly um, into, into that team. It could have been quite easy for him to to cave under the pressure in such a big team, um, a team that were performing, a team that were scoring goals. And he could have easily uh, shied away, but he's not. He's grown into that role fantastically. And I agree 100% he has to stay in that role. Even when Timber's back, if Kivior plays, carries on playing as he is, Timber has to earn his place. Just like well, Timber, Timber can play left back, right back, centre half, I think, as well. But um, Kivior's natural position is more a centre half. But he's doing doing really, really well, and he's deserving of his place. We've eighteen different goal scorers in the league this season. Uh, the only team to have more was Man United in the twenty twelve season. Uh, Trevor um, Kivior, for you, you mentioned you said he was a a player. You're on mute. Uh, he's a a player. Um, uh, that you said stood out really well for you in West Ham and, and a couple of other games. His performance was outstanding, wasn't it? I was on mute because you were talking and I knew you'd gone forever, that's all. That's all true. Right. Kivior, Kivior looks, is, is a completely different option in my view to Zinchenko. He, he, obviously, he's learning. He's not got anywhere near the experience that Zinchenko has. But... And it's a, it's a, I, I thought about it, actually, yesterday when I was watching the game back. In a way, Kivior has been more of a goal threat than Zinchenko has. You know? he, he's, he's, had, he's had a couple of really good chances and he scored that goal. So maybe that just suits us. Maybe, that, as I said just now, but maybe that's making teams look at us in a different way. And it might be nice to bring, bring back Zinchenko and change it all around or, or swap it at half-time. But... Um, I've got nothing but praise for Kivior. I, I think he's he looked dodgy when he first came in, in my view. When when he first joined yeah. the club, he had his early games. I didn't know if we could trust him or not, but now I'm of the view that we can we can certainly trust him. He's a he's a give hundred percent young man, you know, hundred percent effort, and I can't ask for any more than that. And when he's getting forward and making, you know, getting the odd goal effort, that's just the icing on the cake for me. 
you know, because our average player has only scored in the last five games in a row, you know. So, I mean, one day he might be world-class. Who knows? Mm, maybe. <laughs> um, we made several substitutions. We took off Martinelli for Trossard earlier on, and then 74 minutes in, we took Eddie. Uh, we brought Eddie, Smithrow and Nelson on for Odegaard, Saka and Havertz. Dan, I said to you when uh, you were beside us, um, I was glad they took Saka off just to give him that bit of rest because we were talking about, like, you know, he sometimes looked tired beforehand. But Smithrow came on um, and he was unlucky at one point, not the score. Um, he'd beaten the keeper, uh, but Dunn got his fo- foot to the end of it and um, uh, prevented him from getting that fifth goal. I think it's less about resting Saka and more about keeping the squad players match fit and keeping them involved yeah. because the amount of games we've still got to play in in a tight space of time, you need someone to be able to step in if someone gets injured. So I think it's more about that, keeping the squad happy, keeping certain players playing. Um, but Smith Rowe is a player that's capable of coming in and, and taking most positions, but um, I still I still don't see it with him in, in this team, if I'm totally honest. But he um he needs for me to do more when he plays to take his chance if he wants to break into that first team. Mm. Um, we conceded a goal. The one goal that we did concede was a well worked goal. Uh, from Willock, uh, he didn't celebrate. Uh, I don't get why they don't. You know, I'd be delighted if I scored a goal, regardless of who it was. I get the respect side of things, but he he done really really well. And again, Dan Byrne with the assist on there. Um. Uh, Newcastle's first goal in over 10 years at the Emirates. I didn't realise they were that unsuccessful uh, down in London um, with us. Neither did I to you, that truth be told. But uh, nah, that, that did surprise me. Um, one thing I will say about that Willett goal, I thought it was a great header. I thought it was a great header. There was a lot of talk about, again, we, we touched on Raya earlier, was he at fault in Porto? I saw some comments as well saying, was he at fault here? The Being a bit shorter, would he have been... Uh, if he was taller, would he have got a? It was just a great header. At what point do we sit there and go, you know what? Fair play. Um, I'm not convinced the reason he didn't celebrate was 100% because it was uh, uh, down to respect. I think that did play a part. But I think the fact they were 4 1 4 0 down, getting hammered, and half their fans had probably buggered off didn't help. Um, In fairness, the fans stayed. All the fans did stay. They couldn't I go think. anywhere. They, were, they couldn't get a, a trade home yeah, anyway. Yeah. You know. Most of them went home Monday. <laughs> Yeah, weekend, no, no, I don't think you can take anything away from him. I think it's a good header. Um, uh, yeah, nothing more to really add on that. I don't know. It'd be, be good to get your take on the, the whole Raya situation here again. I mean, I can't see how people blame him for that. I think it was just a great header. Oh, I think it was a great header. At the time, I thought that uh, I said it to Dan, actually. I said, is that uh, is Raya at fault for that? Um, is that the, the the price we pay to have a short a shorter keeper? And Dan corrected me and said, no, it was just a good header. And I, I I have to agree on reflection when I saw it and watched it back on the telly again. There was I don't think there's anything that Raya could have done on, on that one. Um, 25 goals in six games, conceding only three. A minimum of two goals in uh, seven successive halves of football. Um, and lots of those coming from set pieces, Trevor. 19 goals for, from set pieces this season. Big shout out to Nicholas. Uh, is it Jobar? 
Oh, I can't I can't pronounce his name either, but yeah, he's he's obviously done some good work, hasn't he? It's um it's it's working. It's working and we our set pieces, apart from once again in Porto when our corners didn't seem to work, our set pieces are working perfectly and we're scoring other goals as well. You know, we came we, Saka's goal was a great finish on on Saturday night, you know. Kivior got in a box. So um yeah, I I've got. I'm finding nothing wrong at the moment. I'm, I'm full of positivity. I'm full of. It's not hope. I'm. I'm not full of hope. I'm full of confidence. I mentioned it the other day that I don't worry about a team thrashing us now. I worry about a team giving us a bigger challenge, and then big challenges are yet to come. I think the two games in Manchester are going to be absolutely key to how our season goes. Absolutely key to how our season goes. Yeah, so two Manchester two Manchester games and two London derbies to come up and the rest of our games are winnable. Uh, they're, 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 they're all winnable, they're, Ferg. They're all winnable. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But they're the, they're, they're the key games. They're the key games. Um, Sheffield away on Monday next week, this time next week. Uh, we won't have a podcast on Monday for obvious reasons because Dan will be pissed. Um, and... Um, oh, I'll be drinking. <laughs> no drinking. Oh, no you, oh, this week. Oh, you're going early again, are you? You're going I am not this week. I'm, uh, no. Walter. Water, okay. Well, we'll we'll get and drink again, Trev, won't we? Um, we'll probably do um a preview uh, podcast Thursday night. Um, Friday doesn't work for myself or Trev and stuff, so uh, we'll do a preview on Thursday night. We didn't do one this week, um, because we got stuck. Uh, are you are you texting me? Well, I'm not texting you. Okay, sorry. Now it's coming from somewhere else. Um, the um must be O two. No one else texting. Yeah, it must be old too. Um, the uh, we didn't do the preview uh, podcast this week because we got delayed so uh, long coming back from Porto. It took us twelve hours. Well, even longer for you, Trevor. It took about fifteen hours for you to get home uh, from when we left the the hotel. So we were absolutely shattered. Uh, but we will do one on Thursday night if people want to tune in. Um, guys, uh, thank you very much, Del. Pleasure as always. Dan, you're welcome. Dan, annoying as always, very ginger. See, I was going to be nice to you, but now I think I might change my mind again. So, next time we go on the European away, I think I might be even more annoying as than than last time. To be honest with you, you weren't you, too bad. Actually, you weren't. You weren't too. Were too bad. Trevor, um, should we press the button? Well, do you know what, Fergus? One because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we, we've won. Is it five or six league games in a row now? We're, we're banging the race. We've got the best goal difference. We're scoring goals for fun. If 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 there's an Arsenal fan, you're not full of hope and positivity. Now, you're never going to be. And this just helps because this at the ground is what is what really lifts everything. Hit it, Ferg. Is it? Did it give me a warning?
ginger, bruv. Do you know what? You man can say whatever you want about me. You can say I shit in the bush, I shit on the high road, I don't wipe my bum, but so what? Who does? But ginger, bruv, it's not even ginger, it's more like strawberry blonde. Look, I'll show you my piss. Ooh. 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 Like a salmon tin. It's cool, you don't have to show, man. Give him the pound, bro. Just take the pound, take the pound. Fuck off, bro. Weeks, bro. Love for that, bro. I can feel the ginger loving you, brother. Well, Kane, what you saying, yeah? You got a pound for me, brother. I'll sing for you, yeah? He's done. I feel I've just seen the evolution of Capo Dan. <laughs> Honestly, we're losing viewers, mate, because you've got one joke and you're getting really boring. Yeah, I know. Really I know. But you, but you you've got to find another one. I know you'll use it for another year, but you've got to find another joke. That was, yeah. No but that, that's Fergus, isn't it? No comment. Boring, boring Fergus. Boring, boring, Fergus. Listen, you have been watching Guns and the Ribbons and Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Thanks very much for watching. As I said, switch over to YouTube, click on the like and the subscribe. Um, annoys him. Share, share with your friends and 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 and, and all that. So um, we shall. Uh, what's that? He loves. <laughs> <laughs> Don't read. Oh. He's about to read it out. <laughs> No, nearly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very close. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too. Up the Arsenal.